in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Ed, were you in Anaheim last night? No, no, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching uh, the uh, what you're about to talk about. It was a great moment. Well, I, I had to tune out of the Dodgers 10-4. That thing was over so early, 7 0 Oh, yes, two. you got you got uh, to enjoy the Oakland A's, I mean, as I did for the just, first four days of the season. The A's are just absolutely atrocious. <laughs> uh, so, I, I, yeah, I, I uh, enjoyed what happened. And, and it's funny because the best team in baseball apparently lost last night. It was a rough night. I'll, 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 I can explain it if you want an explanation. <laughs> I can make some excuses. Um, but... That's okay. The Astros played the Angels last night, and a fan threw an inflatable trash can onto the field. Uh, They got the guy on camera throwing it, and he was wearing a Dodgers hat, even though it was an Astros-Angels game. So I just assumed it was you. (laughs) I have three of them, Tyler. I do have three of the hats, but it was not me. I mean, why else would a Dodgers fan be at that game other than Fred Grady? It might be a a relative. I better call my cousins and see what they were doing last night. (laughs) Somebody, so this was like a a big gray inflatable thing and they drew lines on it making like a trash can. But then later in the game, somebody threw an actual trash can on the field, like with trash in it. Like trash came out of it onto the field. Like they went and picked one up in the concourse and ran and threw it on the field. Yeah, Yeah, that guy was just drunk. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he just was like, first time out of my house in a year. <laughs> yeah, got the second shot. I'm good, baby. Here's my card. So I uh, I I will say I probably probably not a fan of throwing the actual trash cans on the field. But if you're gonna bring an inflatable trash can, I think you could throw those on the field like it's a beach did, ball. That thing looked pretty big. Like you sneaking that thing in and blowing it up. How'd they get that thing in there? Oh, you think they're stopping people from bringing those into Astros games? I don't know. Are you kidding me? They're probably handing them out at the front gate. That's that's probably an Angels giveaway. The Astros play at the Dodgers this year, I think. That should be the Dodgers giveaway. That would be actually, come on, that would be great. That would be great. 50,000 of those things, and like right at the seventh inning stretch, three, two, one, and you just shower the field. Yes, if if I was running the promotions department for another team and we were hosting the Astros, that is absolutely what we're giving away. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. (laughs) Nick Castellanos was suspended for two games by Major League Baseball. Castellanos plays for the Reds, and over the weekend against the Cardinals, he was hit by a pitch, maybe because he had a home run and admired it too much earlier, but he was hit by a pitch, and then he scored later in the inning, and after he scored, he sort of did the uh, football taunting after you make a big hit where you stand over the guy and flex. He did that to the pitcher. And it caused the benches to clear, and there wasn't really much that happened, but everybody ran out on the field, and there was a little bit of pushing. He got ejected, and now he's been suspended for two games, and I'm not really sure why he was suspended. Because this is Manfred's league, and they're all idiots. This is so stupid that this guy got suspended over this. It's just an absolute joke. I'm with you on this. I have no clue. You know, he flexed. 
They emptied. Nobody, nobody really got into it like most baseball, like most baseball fights. Come on, run in from the bullpen like a bunch of nut jobs. You're not going to hit anybody. But the, you know, the, the pitcher gets held back by 20 guys because he doesn't want to go. You know, everyone gets held back, and you suspend this guy for two games. That's a, that's a Manfred League decision. That is stupid. Yeah, and it's like the bigger problem here is that Nick Castellanos got hit by a pitch. Not that he yeah. flexed over the pitcher after he scored a run. It's that somebody hit him with a pitch. And if that was on purpose, that's the bigger deal here than flexing yeah. on somebody after scoring a run. What do you think? We'll get the rest of our baseball <laughs> in here. Um, <laughs> Fernando Tatis hurt himself swinging and missing yesterday. Uh, the they're, they're doing an MRI today. I saw reports that it's a shoulder injury. Um, I Listen, Fernando Tatis getting hurt, not great. Fernando Tatis getting hurt just swinging and missing. I, I'm a little afraid that this could be long-term for Fernando Tatis. Well, it's it sucks because he's a great player and you don't want that guy getting hurt long-term. And also, like ACLs, you hit it, you hit it on the head. Like The worst injuries is when you're not involved with anyone else. Like ACLs, you're never involved with anything else. You plant your foot and it goes, no one even hits you. So you're exactly right. This could be worse than people think. And people are like, oh, he just swung. It's like, no, he went straight down. He's had shoulder problems anyway. So if he, if this is the shoulder, this could be several weeks. This could, this could, who knows? It might be a scope or something. We don't know what the MRI is going to say, but he could be out for a while because when you do something and no one else is involved, that's often not good. The Padres reign as NL West champs is over before it even started. Have you, you, I can't believe you haven't asked the question. What's the question? They're all alone in first. Will they be out of first for the rest of the way? Uh, no, I told you. They're, they're going to stay out of the Dodgers. The Dodgers are going to somehow lose to the Oakland A's tonight, and the Padres are going to run away with it. They got Eric Hosmer and Manny Machado. <laughs> Tatis who? Hosmer? Tommy oh, fam! Hosmer's hit like three home runs already this year. He's killing oh. it. Duh, duh. Believe me, everyone in Kansas City still thinks that that guy's like, we should have never let him go. Hell of a player, Eric Hosmer. And I'm like, I I hate you all. He was good last year. Next question. Devin Tillis is transferring to UC Irvine. So two UNLV players have found their next school. Isaac Lindsay is going to be a walk-on for Wisconsin. Uh, so, we heard uh, Mike Ramallah earlier refer to this last year's UNLV team as unathletic. Uh, does Devin Tillis transferring down to UC Irvine pretty much cement that? Um, I don't know if it cements it. I think it's a good place for him, though. It's a pretty good Big West program, and he'll probably go down there. And, you know, could you see him being, you know, what Trey Woodbury did at Utah Valley? I'm not so sure because uh, I think uh, UC Irvine's a you know, better program. Um I'm not sure. I mean, I think he'll do well there. He'll be fine there. Um, it's probably the best place. Like I said, it, you, sometimes it takes a year, whether it's Woodbury or Tillis, wherever, to kind of, like you just said, find out where you are athletically, because that's such a huge deal of college basketball, where you are athletically. And it's probably a nice step for the kid. Yeah, I, I think he'll be fine there. He, Tillis yeah. was the poster child of unathletic player that thinks the game. Like when Mike says that, Devin Tillis is the player that comes to mind because Devin Tillis is a below-the-rim power forward. Like, he he's not going to really dunk on anything. And right. But 
He was praised for how smart he was and how good of a leader he was last year. He's the poster child of that, and UC Irvine is a place that makes a lot more sense for him, not necessarily UNLV. Man, you know, that's a great question. Iowa State gave their athletic director, Jamie Pollard, an extension through 2026. Is this because he made such a great hire with TJ Otzelberger? Yeah. Oh, I mean, think about that. If you can hire a guy, what was Osterberger, 30 and 29? Was he? I don't know. Uh, I don't 29 and 30. Other way around. Okay, 29 so and 30. Un- okay, so under 500. You make that hire and get an extension. What if you hired a guy who'd won a comfort- couple conference titles? You get the lifetime deal <laughs> if you're the AD. My God. This Jamie Pollard kid, uh, he loved announcing. He loved, I think he loved Zoom more than anything with those crazy, with those weird announcements about like coaches coming, the coaches coming, then, you know, the next day another announcement. So. You know, he's very proficient at Zoom, and he hired a below 500 coach, so give him an extension. Um, I will say on Jamie Pollard, it is funny that he makes the the Otzelberger hire at a coach that didn't have a lot of success at UNLV in what appeared to be a non-coaching search where they already knew it was going to be TJ Otzelberger. But Iowa, Iowa State football might be better now than it maybe has ever been. Uh, with Matt Campbell there. Yes, so yes. if you're, you know, yes. football is more important than basketball. If they actually have a top 10 team, they, they finished, I think, in the top 10 this last year. If yeah. they're a top 10 team against next year, that's the best two-year run in the history of Iowa State, and probably everybody deserves an extension. Are you suggesting that a top 10 team is going to come to Legion Stadium and, it have is. To face the team with, and have to face the team with a spring practice? Bring oh the spring practice is going to be a difference ah, maker. They're going to lose by yes. thirty one instead of thirty eight. Shoot! Here comes Iowa State. Great question. Next Thank question. you. Gonzaga is the betting favorite to win next year's national title. They are plus five fifty. Set your money on fire. Baylor is plus eight fifty. UCLA is third. They are twelve to one. I am kind of fascinated as to how anybody can actually set odds with any confidence for next year's college basketball season because literally everybody could leave or come back. I mean, there's no confidence in it. They just know they live amongst a bunch of degenerates who will bet on anything. So, I mean, (laughs) obviously you have to set lines right away. There's people at the books right now laying money on Michigan at 14 to 1. So... I agree with you on the odds. I mean, you're guessing at the point. I mean, Baylor's going to lose their those. I think they lose all three guards. Um, they're definitely losing uh, Butler and, and and Mitchell. I don't know what Teague's going to do, but yeah, I mean, but their second favorite. I mean, how how can you say that? Uh, Duke after after you saw Duke and Kentucky this year. Duke and Kentucky is like fifteen to one and eighteen to one. I mean, did you watch this year? So like, I, I have no idea. Yeah, it's. Like, especially this year, because here's the thing. Like, I expect a lot of, like, Jalen Suggs is going to be a lottery pick. Like, yeah, yeah. Mitchell and Butler should both They're go great, yeah. because they should be in the NBA. But, I mean, both all everybody can come back. Every single player yeah. in college basketball can come back next year, or they can all leave, and there's going to be more players in the transfer portal than we've ever seen. I just... I, you're right. I mean, you got to put the lines up because people are going to come bet on it. But I just, I don't know how you have any confidence in saying, yep, these are the odds we're putting out for next year. That's a great, great question. Kansas hired Travis Goff to be the next athletic director. He comes over from Northwestern's athletic department. But it was not Desiree Reed Francois. She didn't get stolen away for the Kansas job. Nah. I don't know what the interest was. I'm not sure. You know, that stuff's always kind of floated. She was on lists floated out there, but I have no idea what the interest was. Um, 
I will say this. It's pretty funny you have this because uh, I was thinking the same thing when they hired him. It's Bill Self got a lifetime extension, and his team is still being ex- <laughs> it's still still being investigated by like major NCAA violations. So my guess is if you can sign a guy to that contract and his team might be on probation in like two weeks, then I guess Bill Self is now this Travis Goff's boss because yes. Bill Self is obviously untouchable at that university. Yes. When I, I again, do we know who gave Bill Self the extension? Like they they did not have an athletic director. Right? When he got, be the president. I mean, yeah, I would assume the so. But clue, what? What? The clue is in his name, Tyler Self. He gave himself the extension. <laughs> yes, That's yes. good. I I hope he did. And they were fine with it. <laughs> Next question. All right, Ed. Man yeah, City. They know. play in the Champions League today against Dortmund. Are you nervous? No, no, no. I mean, how can I be nervous with a team that's going to win it? Um, but uh, no, I mean, well, well, you know, see see what happens today at noon and then uh, get the first one and move forward. Put a little uh, put a little pressure on your boys when they play. So, uh, And Jared, obviously, is rooting for anyone but us. Um, so we'll see. Good. It's good that it's back into his quarterfinals. we got to get going here. This, these things last for months and months. Let's just get going. Play some that's games. why it's great. That's why it's great. So, yeah, so... Man City plays today. That's Ed's team. Bayern Munich plays tomorrow. That's my team. Jared has the field. So Jared (laughs) has everyone else in the sport that can win. And whoever wins gets a free lunch. All right. Coming up next, we are going to get into some UNLV basketball as they added another transfer. Also, big shout out to David. He won the LV Sports Network Bracket Challenge He won $2,000 thanks to the Vegas Lawyers and Red Chimp Creative Media. So congratulations to David for winning our bracket challenge and $2,000. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia, come see a Kia on West Sahara. That reminds me, Jared. Uh, you remember when we played Donovan Yap's rap song that included a shout-out to all the players on the team? Yeah, he's going to have to re-release that. I know. He's going to have to have a new team. He's transferring. I, we're going to have to wait and see what Sub-Zero does with his next song. Um, but we can still play it. Uh, UNLV landed a new transfer, uh, Victor E. Walker, who is coming over from Oklahoma. He What's averaged, his rap name? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. E. Walker is how you pronounce his last name. That You could do something with that, couldn't you? I mean, yeah, E. Walker. And you just spell it like Ewok from Star Wars. Oh, okay, that is fun. All right, we'll have to see if he likes Star Wars. We know Ed has no idea what's happening now, right? I assume Who's Ewok? Okay, I assumed he was <laughs> muted. All right. No. So... Victor E. Walker, he averaged uh, 2.9 points for Oklahoma last season, played 10.8 minutes per game. So they got another Big 12 bench player. So we talked a little bit about this yesterday. They now have three transfers in, and all three of them are guys that came off the bench for Big 12 programs. Um, is this going to work? Like, Is, is this going to be the, the strategy that actually leads UNLV to being good in this conference? Boy, uh, well, you know, with the assistant coach coming over, there'd probably be some Oklahoma kids. I don't know if he's the last one. Um, take it a step further, because you're going to know this. I know you wrote about him, about the West Virginia kid. Am I mistaken to say, and I know a couple have been big, so it's not that you know uh, big of an issue yet, 
But let's say Jenkins goes. Let's say both Jenkins and Hamilton goes. Are you overly concerned about if they can make any kind of shots? Yes. Um, you look at the three guys they've brought in, and none of them you would say are good shooters. Royce Ham, right. the guy from Texas, and Victor Ewalker, like never shoot. They 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 don't shoot threes. Jordan McCabe does shoot a lot of threes, but he's under thirty percent in his career, and right. so right now you're putting together an offense and I don't know who's actually able to shoot on the team. I mean, Nick Blake is not known for a shooting. He was an average shooter last year. Marvin Coleman, same way, not known for a shooting. He was an average shooter a year ago when he played a full season. Like that's it. That's as good. like Moses Wood is really the only guy on the team that you say is an above average shooter. And he might be getting pushed out of the rotation by Victor Ewoker and Roy yeah. Sam. So yeah, I mean, as of now, they don't really have shooting. I mean, that's a I massive mean, concern. They're going the wrong way on what, uh, you know, everyone knows to be true, especially if you saw the game last night, is you have to shoot threes to win in college basketball. And, I mean, again, Jenkins can come back. I get all that. There's a lot of parts still moving around. But early on, when I keep, you know, reading about these kids, they're signing, I'm like, they're kind of going in the wrong direction in that sense. Now, again, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot can change. But, you know, I read all the updates, Sam, you, Mike, and all the uh, who these guys are and all their percentages. And the first thing I thought is, they better get a few shooters. Yeah, and that's like, that that's probably needs to be their top priority the rest of the way is to add guys that can shoot. And that, that can include Jenkins, like if, if you re-add Jenkins. Right, that, if, yeah, that if you re-add yeah. him, sure. Yeah. But they, they definitely need that because right now... They don't have a guy that you would say is a is a great shooter and no. two guards, the two guards on the team or the three guards on the team, you got two guys that are average and one that's below average in in Jordan McCabe. You've might have written about this kid. What now? They're holding a Zoom with the Cincinnati kid, but he, he's not a great shooter either. No, he was not. Mike Saunders, the kid from uh, yeah. Cincinnati, is does not have great in, in one year, so not a huge track record like Jordan McCabe has. But he was a below average shooter as well from three. So. I, I yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating if they put a team out there that doesn't have many good shooters. Because so, what what we don't know, and I I don't even want to try to pretend to act like I know how good guys coming off the bench in the Big Twelve were defensively. Right, right, right. But my assumption here is that Jordan McCabe, Royce Ham, and Victor Ewalker are all going to be above average defenders, or at least that's what Kevin Kruger is expecting. Because, you listen, UNLV was awful defensively last year. That's something they definitely need to fix. And so my assumption is, okay, you're adding these guys because you think they're going to be high-level defenders in the Mountain West and that you can put together a good defensive team. And if that was their priority over shooting, that's okay because they were terrible defensively last year. So that's that's my assumption is the guys they're uh. bringing in right now they're they're trying to fix the defense. They're trying to get guys that can actually defend, and shooting and offense is all going to be secondary right away. I mean, that's fine. And, I mean, it's night and day. I get that. You shouldn't even compare it, but let's be honest. I mean, even if you're a poor man's Baylor defensively, you're not going to be able to be them that they were last night. The way college basketball is, and, you know, I know you're on this side – I get shooters. I mean, again, oh, yeah. they're really bad defense. And, and here's the thing. They're going to be better defensively last year. I don't think they could be worse. So I don't know how much better they'll be. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But I'd be far more worried given how college basketball is in 20, would it be 2022 or 2021, 2022 season? I'd be far more concerned with getting shooters and, and try to become better defensively. And like you said, it's going to be hard not to be. So I, 
like I said, I, I think they need to get some shooters. They can be better defensively, but from what they have right now in the roster, and it can turn quickly. Like it can turn right away if Jenkins comes back and Hamilton comes back. But yeah, it's a uh, that it kind of it's interesting watching kind of you guys report on who these people are and what their numbers are because that's what stood out to me. I'm like, who's the three point shooter here? Who who are two three point shooters here? Yeah, at, at, right now, if you put together like a rotation for UNLV, they would have at least two and usually three guys on the floor that are not shooting threats. And that's hard to get away with in college basketball. That's hard to be successful when you have only two shooters on the floor. Because defensively, uh, yeah, we don't have to guard the whole floor. We're just going no. to guard the paint. And yeah. You're going to struggle because we're just going to guard the paint. And so they they absolutely need to add guys that can shoot. Like, that's going to be a massive key. Because, listen, take Jordan McCabe as an example. Point guard taking a step down from the Mountain West or to the Mountain West. If he comes in and is awesome in terms of he can get to the paint whenever he wants, like if he comes in and he can break down Mountain West defenses on a regular basis, right? UNLV needs that. It's not going to matter so much if they don't have any shooters because, well, defensively, we're just going to camp out guys in the paint. And when Jordan McCabe beats somebody off the dribble, well, now there's two more guys he's got to beat. And, okay, he kicked it out. Royce Ham took an 18-foot jumper. Okay, we're fine with that. Like, we don't care that Royce Ham is shooting an 18-foot jumper. That's not how you're going to win college basketball games. So. They, they absolutely need shooting. It is absolutely a big concern with the roster construction right now that they don't have it. I mean, we talked about it during the break. I think Nevada's really good next year. I think Colorado State's really good. Wyoming was showing some at the end of the year. You always have to wait after the season in San Diego State because they're going to go into the portal and get three or four kids they always do. So those teams, you've got to be able to shoot against next year. I mean, it, it just, you can't, like you said, you know, depend on, hey, we're getting to the rim. Even if John comes back, it's not going to work in today's game. People can figure that out. And again, we're saying all this not knowing who's coming, who might come back, and all that. It's just early on in the recruiting. That's the thing that stood out to me is that they're 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 not they're definitely not as good. You said, are they better roster next year? Maybe, but as we sit here right now, they're definitely not a better three point shooting team as they were this year. No, absolutely not. And I'll give you this too: the last three seasons of college basketball. The Mountain West has been top four in terms of percentage of shots that are three-pointers within the conference. Mm -hmm. So this conference, more than pretty much every other conference in college basketball, relies on three-point shooting. Like three-point shooting is a massive part of this game. And if you listen, these guys coming in, maybe they help UNLV defensively and they take away some three-pointers that teams would have made against them this past season. But offensively, you've got to be able to make them. You have right. to be able to make three-pointers, and if you can't, you, you're going to struggle. Like, you can go down pretty much every year in the Mountain West, and the best three-point shooting teams, usually the most efficient offensive teams, and just go straight down the list to the end. Like, this year, we can do it. The best three-point shooting team in the Mountain West was San Diego State. They were the best team in the conference. Second right. best right. was Colorado State. They were the third really best good. team in the conference. Yep. Third best was Utah State. They were the second best team. Fourth best right. was Nevada. They were the fifth best team, and fifth best was Boise State. They were the fourth best team. You can go straight down the list. The best three-point shooting teams are usually the best teams in the conference. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Like I said, it would help if Jenkins came back. I don't know if that's going to happen. I thought Mike made some good points. These guys would already have degrees. I mean, it's hard sometimes to get kids like that to keep wanting to play at the college level. But, um, you know, I I think he's a nice player, but – 
you have to go into next season with a lot better shooter than Moses Wood as your best shooter. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 that's not breaking any stories here with sources. I mean, breaking news, you better be better than Moses Wood in terms of your best shooters. All right, coming up next, Justin Emerson joins the show to uh, fill us in on a game that we think he watched more closely than us. Justin Emerson, Las Vegas Sun. How did you? What did you think of the way Flurry played tonight? You serious? Like you watched the game? He was great. The last goal. The only reason it went in was because uh, Theodore slashed the stick, and you know, we made it. If we would have, you know, and you tell your defenseman to play the guy's stick. So you blame the last goal on, on Theo or on Flurry? Shake your head. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now is Justin Emerson from the Las Vegas Sun. Do you miss in-person press conferences? Buddy, you're slipping a little bit if you got to go to clips that are two years old. I know. Well, listen, I'll be honest with you. I did not watch last night's post-game press conference. We all know why. So you could have embarrassed yourself last night. I just was not paying attention. <laughs> Fair enough, I guess. <laughs> but do you, you miss Gerard Gallant, don't you? Oh, yeah. I, I, I miss Turk. He was fun. I, I don't have any – I like Pete. I don't have any problem with him at all. But, uh, yeah, Turk is a good guy in this all right, what uh, happened last night? We tuned out after it was 5-1, to one, so I, I guess we saw what was important. But um, give us a breakdown. Were they actually 6-1 to one better than St. Louis? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I, St. Louis' goaltending was a mess. Um, and the, the couple of goals probably shouldn't have gone in, but did. Um, it, it's kind of the, the thing that normally happens to the Golden Knights in reverse, that uh, <laughs> that. I, I mean, it's so often I've written a story about how they were awesome. They fired 40 shots on that, but the opposing goaltender was just really good and stole the game. But, uh, you know, the Golden Knights didn't play poorly by any stretch. They were really good. But uh, were they six goals good? Uh, maybe not, but that's fine. Sometimes you're going to catch those breaks. And after after last week's losing streak and goal drought, I'm mega fan complaining. A long answer from uh, Pete DeBoer on Robin Leonard, more than uh, two paragraphs. It, uh, it definitely helps this show to promote uh, the goalie controversy, which we love to do, uh, and stay positive about it. So how much is there trending towards a huge goalie controversy when the playoffs come? Uh, well, it, it's going to be fun. We thought last year it was a little nugget to talk about them. This year is going to be real fun just because Flurry wasn't great last year. He was, he was, he was fine. Uh, he had one of the worst statistical seasons in his career. And bringing in Robin Leonard, who'd been a near-elite goalie, or elite goalie, uh, for two seasons, uh, he was a pretty easy to fit. Uh, this year, it's not so easy. Uh, he's been spectacular. He's been, you know, over the last couple of weeks, maybe he's been uh, slumping a little bit while Robin Leonard has been awesome. So, I mean, if the playoffs started today and you're playing the hot hand, it's Robin Leonard. But there's still a month of the season left. And, uh, and unlike last year, you have... You have Flurry, who was a 940 goalie for the first 15 starts of the year, or whatever it was. So he's, you've got, you're in a good spot for sure. Is it as simple as whoever is better the last 10 games of the season is the one that will get the first game in the playoffs? I mean, it very well might be right. I mean, you can't really go wrong. Well, you can't really go wrong if you're the Golden Knights, I guess. But if you're Pete DeBoer, I mean, you better be right. 
right? Like if you choose, if, if Leonard's if Leonard's hot, let's say between now and the end of the season, and Flurry's fine, and you go with Leonard and he gets shelled, then people are going to say, well, why didn't you go with Flurry? And if you go with Flurry and start and and he doesn't do well, I mean, the only way you can win is if you win, I guess. But um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's it, 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 it's going to be a tough decision. Tyler, quick, sure. tweet that and, out. Uh, you hope that was that. I said, Tyler, quick, tweet that out. Live <laughs> yeah, on the, the press only way box. The you can win is if you win. Justin Emerson <laughs> lost for a hockey writer. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, let's be honest. Come on. I mean, I know you, you, you can't you can't say this, at least uh, on radio. I get that. But obviously, we all want it to be Leonard for the sake of agents, right? I mean, if you know, if it's flurry, it won't be as much fun. And we can't really, like, you know, go after anybody. So just for that sake, you know, kicks and giggles, which we need more of. Obviously, you always wanted to be Leonard. And from a reporting standpoint, I mean, they're both a good quote in, in different ways. So that's kind of fun. You can't really lose there. So, I mean, I'm not – it doesn't affect my the perception of my job or anything like that if they make the wrong choice. So I'll just watch the game. It's a lot easier to do that. And I, mean, I think we talked about it the last time I was there. So it's a lot easier – a lot easier for uh, for us to watch it and talk about it than it is to actually make the decision and go out and do it. Uh, what have you seen from Cody Glass the last two games getting to play with Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty? Uh, well, Golden Knights had 15 skaters with a point last night, and Cody Glass was one of three without. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's kind of a fluky thing, I guess, because Shea Theodore was also one of those players. But he's been... He's fine. Um, I mean, he hasn't been the sixth overall pick future frontline center we've all hoped that he was going to be. Um, you know, he hasn't been he hasn't been bad. Uh, I think he's not going to be between Patrick and Stone tomorrow night against the Blues because Chandler Stevenson will be back. And, you know, you want to get Glass going and getting him between those two guys is a good way of doing it. And it hasn't exactly jump-started his game, um, I think, the way a lot of people would have hoped. But, uh you, know, you got to go back to Chandler Stevenson, which is a which is a center that has proven to work really well, and we'll we'll see where Cody Glass lines back up uh, tomorrow night. Do you think Are he gets you... sent back to the oh, AHL? Right. That was that was interesting, right? Like, and, and yeah. I understand that it was because because of injuries and because of a suspension, but you know, you wanted to get him down there for for confidence was the reason to be a better five on five player. He goes down, he plays one game, and then he's back up. So that was. I guess that there are circumstances, but he very well might be back in the NHL. I mean, you get Stevenson back, Reasons back, so you got kind of that forward group that's healthy now. So maybe, maybe you go back to where you were a week ago and send Glass to to Henderson to to get his confidence going. Are you more confident now than maybe a month ago, uh, given what happened in recent games, that they have the needed depth to where they don't have to do anything on their on their bottom six lines? Are you more confident than that, or? Do you still think they have to think about something and adding something? Oh, I still think they've got to think about something. I think one six-goal game it doesn't doesn't really change that equation too much, even if the bottom six was was pretty strong last night. Because um, you look at last week, I mean, Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty, these guys are going to flump. I mean, they're just it, it just happens happens to everybody. And so when Stone goes six games without a point, Pacioretty goes four games without a point. You need somebody to step up and. Uh, in their three-game losing streak, they scored five total goals. So if you're not getting people to step up, then you need to get people to other people to step in who can step up. 
So I, I still think that they, you know, trade deadlines on Monday, I still think that they should make a move for, you know, a bottom six forward, somebody that can slot into that third line. But uh, they are really tight against the cap, but that, that's always manageable. So I guess, I guess come Monday we'll find out what they do. Is the Backstreet Boys graphic the best graphic you've seen at T-Mobile Arena this year? <laughs> that ruled, didn't that? That was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I, re- I remember when the Backstreet Boys uh, residency at Planet Hollywood got fired back up a couple of years ago. My birthday's in December, and I got tickets in October when they went on sale for a show in March. So it was like a six-month thing that got spread out, and I'll tell you, it was one of the best shows I've ever seen. It was a blast. By the way, can't you buy tickets to go to concerts that are happening in 2022 right now? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. This was years ago. This was this was in the before times where it wasn't. I, the before times. You, I know you were just saying buying tickets in advance. I feel like there are concerts that are scheduled for 2022 because we haven't had concerts in a year. I feel like you can buy tickets like more than a year out right now. Just scoop them up right now. Yeah. I mean. I don't know. I see some of the billboards. I think there are a couple shows at T-Mobile Arena later this year. Um, but I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I'll ask our I've, had, I've had tickets to a concert, and because of the pandemic, they have rolled them over four times, and the wife is furious because they're making uh, interest off our money. <laughs> so they literally rolled these things over. I don't know when we're – it's at Allegiant Stadium. But the only thing she's worried about is how much have they made – I said, like, what, $3? But they keep rolling these things over, so it's just a disaster. It's all—it's how they get dead. Yes, yes. The man's gonna get you. I just said that. My dad just texted me. He's listening to the show. He said, "Cliche game, very strong." So I'm gonna be self-conscious about that for the rest of the time. <laughs> Listen, I'm looking right now. You can buy tickets to see the weekend at T-Mobile Arena. Ooh. For April twenty third of twenty twenty two. Wow! Should we go? go like you the want to go, Tyler? Let's get tickets. Yeah, Come the four up. of us. Oh my god! It'd be wow. amazing. I don't know what I'm there doing on April twenty third of twenty twenty one, let alone April twenty third of twenty twenty two. Yeah, you need you, to- I, you do know what you're seeing. You're seeing the Knights in the playoffs with Robin Leonard and Goal. Uh, still regular well, I'm season ads. It's on the off day because we got we got tickets to see the weekend, so it's not going to be a home game. We That's that. just well, they're they're in L A. that night. Do you they're think in, they're you in can, LA that night? You think you can put a request in with Gary Bettman for next year's schedule to uh, to not have the Golden Knights play a road game that day? I think if we tell him that we have tickets for the weekend, then he'll yeah yeah I do yeah he'll understand he'll understand. Well, he is Justin Emerson. Follow him on Twitter at j15 Emerson for all your cliches. Thanks, Justin. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Care. See you. Boys party. Four of us. I, at the I, weekend. I, you know I love t-shirts. You know I'll, I'll have it out the, I'll have it out this afternoon. The only way you can win is if you win. <laughs> hey, I'm giving him credit for it. I understand exactly what he was trying to say. Yes, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. If if the goalie if whoever he picks as the goalie is bad and they lose a playoff yeah. series, then you lose and the only real way to avoid that criticism is to win the game even last year Leonard didn't play bad and he still got criticized for it thanks to Alan Walsh but like the only yes. way that Pete DeBoer comes out looking like a good coach is if they win the Stanley Cup yes. and he that then, then he can say I made the right decision but Tyler we can do that with every single one of those things that have happened on this show like when Ed says Marcus Mariota is big what he's yes. actually saying is 
you don't imagine a quarterback to be that like wide and tall, and then you see Marcus Mariota, and he's actually like physically imposing for a quarterback. Yeah. But it is funnier just to go, he big. I think when Ed told us that Henry Ruggs is fast, there was nothing. There was nothing else to that. It was just Ed was amazed at how fast he was. Yeah, I, more <laughs> went into more went into the Marcus Mariota comment probably because I was stunned at how big he was. Um, but uh, Henry Ruggs was obvious that he just kind of ran a route, and I'm like, that guy's pretty fast. Uh, so there was there wasn't as much thinking on the Henry Ruggs side of things as he like ran past everybody. Like the Henry Ruggs uh, one is great. Because the Raiders took the wide receiver that ran the fastest 40 specifically yes. oh, because yeah. he ran the fastest 40. Yes. yes. Well, after <laughs> what we saw with the rookie wide receivers this year, it had nothing to do with football skills. So that must have been because he's fast. And yes, the, we all we all knew he was fast. You're like, ha, that guy's fast. It's fast. like you were talking about some seventh round wide receiver that, ah, that guy could make the team. He's really fast. Like, no, and they drafted that guy in the first round specifically because he runs that fast. That's, That's the, only the only reason they drafted him, obviously. All right. Coming up next are Sharp and Luke Perk Dandy from PropSwap. Join us. We're checking in on the latest news from PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. Joining us now is Luke Perk-Dandy. And Luke, I got to know, how many Baylor tickets were sold yesterday before the game? <laughs> My gosh, it was as soon as that, uh, like, eight, I, I'm in Indianapolis right now, and uh, they're at Eastern time, and, you know, 8.45, about 30 minutes before the tip, we just saw a flurry of Baylor and Gonzaga tickets sell. Um, I'd say the most notable Baylor ticket, original bet amount for $7,000 about a month ago, the Reno ticket, you sold it for $14,000 about 30 minutes before the tip, and it cashed for $41,000. Wow. Wow. Um, the that's buyer amazing. got odds of plus 190. That's the best odds in the world. Uh, <sighs> Baylor was around. They were plus 163 on wow. DraftKings. So the buyer just got a killer deal. But who knows how the game went. The seller, you know, still made another 7000 bucks on his money. Yeah, I mean, he made a, he made $7,000. So it's not like it's the worst thing. But that's got to You sell the ticket and then you watch Baylor jump out to an 11-1 lead and you're just kicking yourself for the next two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like I said, it's it's seven G's. He gets to take a European vacation with it, you know. Uh, <laughs> he sold a hundred dollar ticket for for you know left so much money at the table. So, but yeah, buyers, it, it pays to be a buyer, no doubt about it. Uh, um. Well, Jordan Spieth finally won a tournament, uh, and now everyone's <laughs> kind of jumping on him. It's like, oh, my gosh, okay, and the Masters are coming up, and he kind of shoots up the boards because he won in, in Texas. Have you seen much action on Jordan Spieth? And tell us about the Masters tickets that are out there right now. Yeah, definitely. I've seen a bunch of Spieth tickets sell since Tim's win on Sunday. Uh, you know, PropSwap is the only platform in Las Vegas that allows you to both buy and sell. And the Masters is perfect for selling because there's so many swings throughout the four-day tournament that, of course, begins on Thursday. Um, so get in right now. Find you know a Colin Moore Kawa ticket. Find a you know um, a speed ticket or a Rom a John Rom ticket. Get in now, and then if they have a good Thursday and Friday, you can sell your bet on Saturday without ever even getting the ticket in your hand. As soon as you purchase any ticket on PropSwap, you can always relist it. 
Um, so this four-day tournament will be perfect for both buying and selling your bets. How how quickly do those turn over? Was it is it usually wait till Saturday, or are people trying to jump on stuff as early as Thursday once they see a couple of holes? Yeah, the long shots you'll start to see Thursday and Friday. People get out of those. Um, but you know, if you got a John Rahm ticket at odds of eight to one, they typically won't sell that until Saturday or even Sunday. Um, you know, because there's always a chance that a guy like that is going to get back into the hunt. Um, so I would say if you get a long shot, I would sell that on Thursday or Friday, take, you know, three or four extra money. And then if you have a more favorite guy, you can flip that on Saturday once he makes the cut. And then certainly will people will be buying and selling all Sunday and uh, the close. Well, he is Luke Perk Dandy from PropSwap. Again, it's PropSwap.com. Luke, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Luke. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye. There you go. So, That's how about nice. the guy who made? Oh, he made seven thousand. I don't feel sorry for him. He made seven grand, but boy, when it's when they're when they're up nineteen, the guy's looking at himself in the mirror, going, "What did I do?" <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> that is, oh. that's a tough one. Yep, I'd be devastated with myself. All right, Lights FC news yesterday. They Uh-oh. signed nine players, or I guess LAFC have signed nine players for Lights FC. But here's here's the issue here. They signed nine <laughs> players. Like, none of them have any experience. Of these nine guys, they have a combined three years experience at the USL level. None of them have any Major League Soccer level. There's one guy who's played in the Ghanaian Premier League. But everyone else is either coming straight out of college or there's one kid that's actually coming out of high school. He's 18 and said, I'm not going to college. I'm going to go play professionally. Um, There's a couple guys that were drafted by in the MLS draft that are going to be that were signed by Lights FC. But it's very reminiscent of Eric Winalda's first roster when he brought in a bunch of players with little experience at the USL level or higher and thought, hey, I can come in with, I found some young talent, can turn these guys into something good, and they weren't very good. That's what this feels like to me. I just can't believe you got me fired up for a playoff berth, uh, that this was going to be the year they made the run, and now you're telling me nine guys have combined for three years of professional soccer. Listen, I didn't get you fired up. That was last year. You said this was the year. You said this was the year. They're going to the playoffs. No, no, that that. that that was Lashbrook, and he says that every year. (laughs) <laughs> because i've, because I, I've known tyler for three years brett lashbrook has said for three years this is the year tyler because 60 uh, percent of the teams make the playoffs so the yes they should make it it's actually more years. impressive that they don't yes it is so okay here's here's my hope ed the the plan or the the idea maybe was for LAFC to send like their 15th through 25th best players to Vegas to play for the lights. Obviously, there's going to be injuries throughout the season. There'll be you know LAFC will have a bunch of games back to back or something. So there's going to have to be guys that aren't really major league soccer experienced. They're going to have to be around just in case of injuries or whatever. I'm hoping that's what these guys are, that these guys are like the depth. These guys are like the bench for Lights FC, and we still see some legitimate LAFC players down here in Vegas throughout the year. I like Duncan Turnbull. It's a cool name. Who's that guy? I have no idea. That kid's one of the nine that signed. He's one of the uh, yeah. nine that signed. The, none of them have played soccer before. You think I know who they are? Well, I'll tell you what. You did enough research to know that they'd only played three years of professional soccer. 
Well, yeah, because I didn't know who any of them they were. So I had to look them up. Like, that guy's not real. None of them are wearing scarves. 